Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. This is Michael Anthony Ingram, and welcome to the program. Tonight, my very special guest is C.M. Crockford. C.M., are you with me? I am with you. How are you doing, Michael? I'm quite well in yourself. Not bad. Not bad at all. Well, good. I'm pleased. Let's begin this journey, all right? Great. What I'd like to ask you first is, what is poetry? Whew, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think for me, poetry is an expression of the unconscious. I think it's an expression of deeper feeling than a lot of language can provide. And I think it's about breaking language down to its most fundamental, its most absolute. All right. Why is it important? I think because it creates the ultimate amount of meaning out of a piece of language, right? I mean, language is something we use just to communicate something so quickly. And poetry is about finding deeper meaning, finding something greater, and something, too, that is loose and unconscious. It's, it's important and unimportant. All right. Please share a poem. Yeah, of course. All right. Um, I'm going to do an older one first. I've got a couple new ones, but um, this is called uh, Center City. I live in Philadelphia, and I lived in downtown for about a year. This is called uh, Dinner City. City nights are a lonesome thing. Scarred and tattered, bent in use. They are not cruel, never cruel. He's fading fast in an empty bar. A diner sign flickers for all time. She kisses him, wants to run. Low, long sucks of coke. Boys shift in solid arms. Drinks flow like blood in the temple. Coffee cups sticky plates. Broken things get swept away. All the dead hearts disappear before sunrise. Sighs when she sleeps. Her breath keeps a steady time. The rhythm of the world. By the window, lights flash in the distance. Then are embraced by the dark that brings them home. End. Mm. I like that. Mm. How does a poem begin for you? With the image an idea or a form? I think an image a lot of time, some central idea. Um, I wrote one recently about a piece of trash I found on the sidewalk, and I'll read that in a little bit, but that's a good example. Okay. Um, sometimes I feel like writing a form. Sometimes I'll just play around with a limerick, or I like writing haikus quite a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask yeah. this question. As you think about your body of work, what are some of the predominant themes of your work? I think a certain fatalism. Um, I think also the attempt to see the world through different eyes. Um, I'm autistic in particular, and uh, I think a lot of my work is influenced by that, by not being neurotypical, by having different observations about the world. Um, 
But I think a lot of my work is about that. It's about connection of others, isolation, um, but also expressions of joy. I mean, I think that's all over my writing. All right. Very nice. Please share another poem. Of course. All right. Uh, This is going to be a more recent one. Um, And uh, this is one I wrote recently uh, in the middle of an anxiety attack. Uh, And this is called, uh, this is for my partner. Um, It's called Insomniac Love Poem. I left the bed half asleep, sobbing, only on orders, only leaving you for that. You are my home, your hands, your heart, your eyes, the place I am safe, your soft, patient skin, a balm for my restless hands. Now, do you sit and think through every word of every stanza, or do you write freely and allow the words to flow? A little bit of both. Uh, I'm a pretty strict editor. I mean, I also copy edit uh, for spare money. Um, So I think that makes me a bit of a stickler in terms of what language I want to use. Uh, But I also think that it's important when you're writing, especially in the first drafts, to really go unconscious with it and let yourself flow. it's something I'm trying to work on more as a writer that was just letting the backseat of the mind take over, you know? Mm. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes? Um, Lately, Walt Whitman has been a huge influence on my work. Um, I think he's a monumental writer, maybe the great American writer. Uh, James Baldwin, actually, um, his, sense of I think particularly his political thought is something I really admire that he was a a left thinker who didn't who was never too doctrinaire he was never um, he was never draconian Um, I always really admire that about his writing about his his thoughtfulness as a writer Uh, I'd say my favorite novelist is maybe Yukio Mishima Um, I also love uh, Patricia Highsmith and her Ripley novels but in terms of other poets um, Whitman uh, e. e. Cummings. I also uh, really love um, Sharon Olds. Her book, Stag's Leap, is really beautiful. Right. You know, as you think about being a poet, what was mm. an early experience that helped to shape your, your way of being around poetry, where there was a magical moment early on in your life mm. that helped you say, hey, poetry is what I want to do? Yeah. Uh, you know, in eighth grade, I think I wrote the first couple poems I ever really wrote for um, school, like for a contest. And I actually got, I think two little poems submitted to this, uh, like young adult writing magazine, like one of those ones mm-hmm. you can submit to in school. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I like doing it. It was, it was two poems about waking up too late and, uh, about film and, and movie theaters. And I think I remember the movie theater one really being like, okay, I can maybe try, keep, try keeping, keeping on this. All right. Please share another piece of your work. Of course. Um, all right, this one's this one is from my recent uh, book, Mark the Place. It is rather timely, I think, especially considering last night's god awful debate. It's called uh, <laughs> oh, it's "The President." <laughs> the president has no poetry in him. <laughs> the president has no poetry in him. He looks at the stars and does not see the stars. He looks at the mountains and sees what he can take apart. 
The president has no poetry in him. He does not love his wife. He does not love his children. He does not love. The president has no poetry in him. Only poison. And I pity what's left of his heart. End. Wow. Share that one again. I like that. Share that one again. <laughs> oh, you want me to read it again? <laughs> yes, I really okay. do. Um, yeah. Fuck <laughs> okay, sure. Um, the president has no poetry in him. The president has no poetry in him. He looks at the stars and does not see the stars. He looks at the mountains and sees what he can take apart. The president has no poetry in him. He does not love his wife. He does not love his children. He does not love. The president has no poetry in him. Only poison. And I pity what's left of his heart. And Wow. You know, so much is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. What do you view as oh, yeah. being the role of a poet in modern-day society? What is our role? Uh, I don't know if we have a role, per se. I don't know if artists have a role, generally. I think art is something people have a compulsion to do to interpret the world, right? To to interpret, to, to get their interpretation down on, onto paper in some way. Um, but I think one of the things a poet can do is express something with greater meaning than a paragraph could um, and, and do that with only a few words. And I think that's something that's really important right now, especially as language kind of gets shredded apart. Um, and yet we're also seeing this weird resurgence of poetry on Instagram and Twitter and other social media as well. So it's an interesting time for poetry. Yeah, I agree. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Got it. by Colin Wilson right after writing this and I think it's funny how much that there's synchronicity in what I wrote here this is called um, Agonizing Love there's this open wound in me that makes the world hard to bear sometimes I can't take rainy days the ache received from knowing you're never free the raw faces at subway stations whose hands I want to hold while asking are you alright? And as I write on yellow paper, desk swallowed by the dark, I try to believe I'm of the saints who lay in torment, 
who felt the same agonizing love, then reached salvation in the early stirrings of grace. End. Right. What does being creative, and you're very creative, what does that mean to you? Um, For me, I think it's a partly a state of mind. It's a, a place where I can feel liberated and open with what I feel. Um, but I think it's also something people naturally do. Um, it, it seems like art and really expressing yourself or something uh, you know, people learn to do, for instance, an art therapy. And even if you're not professionally skilled, there's something really cathartic about getting down anything onto paper. Um, I think right now is an era of more people making art for themselves, um, for better or worse. Um, but for me, I think creativity is something that I do for myself to express myself, to get something out there. I mean, it's striking. I wrote that anxiety poem and then felt a lot better once it was done. <laughs> Funny how that works. Share another piece of your work. Your thing. It was called uh, Robbie Krieger on Your Lost Little Girl. His unwitting elegy for beach nights, swapping spit along peace signs, for the revolution that starved, staring at its own reflection never glancing up to see them winning again and again. His playing is soaked by salt water, wrapped with careless prophecy, as he cycles back to the start, feeling through a grief he can barely understand until it's been years since. Fingers of the cords in an arena named for a bank. And You have a great voice. I'm sure you know that Thank already. You. <laughs> I've been told a little. Um, well, I co-host a podcast, so it's a good thing for that. Okay. <laughs> it really, really is. What do you view as being the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? If there is a relationship. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's a, conf- it's a conflicted one. My speaking voice uh, tends not to be as limber as my written one. I think mm-hmm. writing is really where I get to hone what I want to say a lot of the time or really get it down on paper. Uh, I'm often struck by how much uh, my friends or people around me can articulate what I'm trying to say faster than I am when I'm just trying to speak. Um, nevertheless, it's been good, you know, learning a little more lately how to articulate myself better. So that's something I've been working on myself. Share another poem. I want to hear your voice. Share another poem. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is one I wrote uh, when my cat was particularly not feeling great. He's diabetic, so he just has ups and downs, but he's doing very well right now. We love him very much, and uh, this poem's for him. It's called Sean. Sean. Leg mottled with shit. His mouth raw, sore. He shuts his eyes knowing he was a god once and will be so again. And Sean. Mm-hmm. Perfect poem. Perfect poem. Thank you. You know, many writers have different ways of writing, different styles of writing. Mm-hmm. Some write on paper, then transfer to the computer. How do you write? 
How does it, what's your process? What's your preferred yeah, method? Good, good question. Um, I tend to use either uh, my notebook. I have this beautiful spiral notebook I got. Uh, or did my partner get this from me? I'm trying to remember, but it's lovely. Um, I also use uh, the yellowed, this yellowed legal pads I use. Uh, I got the tip from uh, James Elroy. He's a crime novelist, but he uses them uh, because they're easier for him than spiral notebooks. And I feel the same way as I'm left-handed, so it's easier for me not to smudge the page when I'm using the legal pads. Um, but I tend to use those. I write several drafts a lot of the time. I'm pretty thorough. Try to play around with the form, um, and then transfer it to computer. Okay, very nice. You know, all yeah. poets, if you think about writing, have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work, words or sentences mm-hmm. that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, huh. You know, I use God an awful lot for some reason. Uh Okay. Lonesome, I've used a few times, or lonely. It's one of my favorites. Um, I think uh, kiss is something I've used a lot. I like that one. It's a beautiful word in general. It has that strong ending. Um, K mm-hmm. sounds, too. Um, I think uh, embrace is something I like a lot as well, really, in that kind of intimate language. You know, you've written a lot. And congratulations on being nominated for the Best of the Net 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you think that you were meant to Thank be you. a poet? What did you say? Do you think that you were meant to be a poet? I think I was going to be something no matter what. Uh, I think poetry is the <laughs> okay. best venue for me personally. I mean, God knows there's mm-hmm. certain things I can't do. Uh, I can't do those um, ice sculptures. I wish I could do that, but... <laughs> Um, this was my best, this was the best thing I could do. And I, I think it was the best expression of myself. So what, what, what comes out of you when you write? What part of you is revealed to the public? I think the unconscious one, um, sometimes I've found myself expressing, you know, dormant feelings that I usually don't really like to talk about. Um, a few of the environmental poems I've written, you know, usually, I'm kind of shocked at what I've written sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times we're expressing an unconscious place or more of an agonized one sometimes. Um, although I don't want to be Barton Fink, you know, claiming that all writing comes from pain or something. It doesn't. It can be joyful, too. Yes, it can. I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Please share another poem. Of course. Um, this is actually the poem that was just nominated for Best of the Net. Uh, it was published... On Serotonin, they're a fantastic poetry website if you want to take a look. Um, This is called Sensory. The clapping hands, cannon fire. Thousands of them battering his skull. Sharp, thickening shocks. All the boy can do, scream. Mouth gaping, fingers clawing at temples. Fifteen years pass. Hears music in a great city. He's changed. He watches, listens. The instruments build into white noise. Inside, fevered cathedrals, delicate wombs. He knows it is a tower of sound where he would live in prayer to beauty, the violent discord of this world. End. 
what makes a poem good? I know it's a subjective <laughs> question, but what makes a poem oh, yeah. good? Oh, yeah, very objective. Um, I think what can make a poem good is I, I think if the writer has a strong grasp of the instinct that got them there in the first place, um, I think that's important. But also I think mm-hmm. when the poem is allowed to find its own insight, uh, that sounds pretentious, but it's kind of true. I think poems need to be an organic object. So when you think about the prevalent ingredients that go into making up a poem, what should be included? I think the sense of form, um, clarity. I think also, though, this sounds funny, allowing the poem to breathe. Um, There's this one line I've heard once that was like, poems are never really finished. They're just discarded. (laughs) <laughs> um, because you can never really finish a poem. It's, it's, a, it's a breathing thing, um, as much so as any work of art. And I think it's important that any writer worth their salt gives a poem room to breathe. I really like that, room to breathe. Mm-hmm. It's very nice, very, very nicely stated, very nicely stated. Please share another piece of your work. All right. Uh, This is a newer poem. Um, This is called Isle. Isle. Foot presses down on an old mayo pack, lying by the burning street. White stains brownstone brick, left a hollow shell behind. Wondering when it joins its brothers, deep in some empty sea, turn legion of leagues of plastic, afloat in a jutted isle of trash like vines creeping along garden walls. The horde expands further, further, till there is nothing. The cartons, cans, bottle caps. The dreams of all trash buried in a rough crack of the Philadelphia sidewalk. End. Mm. And the title of that piece was Isle, am I correct? Isle, yeah, I-S-L-E, yeah. Yes. And then you had the poem about Sean. Mm-hmm. What role should a title play in a poem? I think they can describe. Um, I think they're good descriptors. I'm also terrible at coming up with titles myself, so I'm really not good okay. on this. But I think they can give a sense of what the poem is going to be. Uh, that's just a preview. Um, also, I think they're these perf- they can be perfect little contrasts. I mean, we can look at the T.S. Eliot, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. All right. So when you think about writing, and people write for a myriad of reasons, some Mm -hmm. write primarily to speak a message to the audience, others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write? And very profoundly, I might say. I think staying silent would be difficult for me. Uh, I think as any of my loved ones can attest, Mm -hmm. um, I'm somebody who needs to get things out. I think that's one of the reasons I write. I think I also write there to express some deeper feeling in myself, um, something I need to get out. So, yeah, I would agree with the second option there. All right, all right. Share another poem. Actually, share two this time. Okay. All right, let's see. Uh, This is uh, Denied. This is a tanka. Denied. I know you're upset, but the bear's dying and the earth boiling. I'm sorry, our hands are tied. 
Did you need anything else? Done. Oh, all right. And then... I have to pull up my chat book. I apologize. Um, This is uh, beer and rainwater. I walk out to the yard and tip the trash can on its side. Beer cans, ashes, glasses, chicken bone, rainwater, all spill onto concrete baked by sun. Rust-colored liquid spatters my leg, stray grass sticking to the thigh. Smell rises, hits wet summer air. I stand in boxers, swig from a warm bottle. I think of how the garbage has been full for six months. I watch a dull river draft, drift down cracked pavement. I take an air drink and tell myself again, I won't live like this anymore. Done. Based on what you know about life, do you think that someone could be a poet if they don't feel emotions very strongly? I don't know. That is a fair question. Um, I tend not to connect as much with poetry that is more intellectual, not as intuitive. Um, okay. That's that's a fair question, though. I I think someone could try to get at something, even if they didn't always know how to express it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. the thing of I think anybody can write a poem if they really need, really know how to, or really feel the need. If they really know how to, give me more with that. If they really know how to, if they have that they have that instinct, you know that that sense of uh, I don't think what I can say can be wrapped up in a letter or a paragraph. Um, I I think that's when you have a poem in your hands, right? You have something you need to express, even if it's just a, a haiku or a limerick or something silly, or just a brief expression. Um, I think that could be poetry. I agree. Please share another piece of your work. Of course. All right. This is, uh, this is called Declaration. This is the opening of my chapbook. Oh, my partner's very happy to have me read this. Declaration. I howled out my love on the rooftop, begging all to hear the words, the hot core of life stumbling from my mouth. With all I felt falling out, couldn't catch my breath. The exhalation crashed and died of such a beautiful smile next to the fear that had been running me ragged. I looked to the moon for a blessing to sanctify the prayer. It did not speak, yet she glowed brighter against the dripping tar in the mute, empty streets. That was enough. And Wow. We'll be right back. I'm here with C.M. Crawford, 
The call-in number is 646-787-1631. CM, I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. What is the most difficult part of the artistic process for you? The most difficult part. Hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes knowing when a poem is done, I think that's always really tricky. Uh, okay. I tend to fiddle with things a lot. So, like I said, a poem is discard is abandoned, not finished. Um, I definitely am one of the people with trouble with that. Um, yeah, I think also sometimes I go back through my work and will pick things out, which I think is a common problem for a lot of artists. Right. All right. What's the easiest part? Conversely. Easiest part? Yes. And sometimes, hmm, that's a good question. I think the writing itself sometimes can feel easy, even if it's not. Uh, once it's really flowing, I think that's the easiest moments. When when All the right. writing is just pouring out, that's when it feels good. Where do you go to write? Do you have a specific place? I like. I actually have a big writing desk. It's there in the middle of my living room. Uh, I go there to write a lot. Um, sometimes I'll just take a notebook and sit on the couch. Uh, usually I try to write, uh, sit on my chair, take some earplugs, just go for it. All right, all right. Well, when you think about writing, what are you charged or energized by the process, or does it drain you? A little bit of both. I think sometimes if the work's going really well, I feel great after. I feel charged up. I'm happy. I feel satisfied. A little tired, but satisfied. Uh, if I'm frustrated, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely drained. All or if right, it's a long-form right, piece, right. I'm usually a little more tired. Do you have a lot of long-term, long-form pieces? Uh, only Yeah, actually, well, I read a lot of um, pop culture criticism. I've also written some short stories. Uh, one of my horror stories okay. was uh, published last year in Vastorian. So I've written a lot of different things, honestly. Thanks. All right. Very, very nice. Very nice. Please share another poem. Of course. All right. This is called um, Hush Falls. I wrote this in New Hampshire when I was visiting my parents, uh, watching the birds of the bird hut feeders. Hush falls after morning snows. The white claims the maples, the yellow birches. So not the birds, no. The nuthatches, chickadees, who fly, flock, feed among the dreaming. They refuse to quiet. They sing as if to wake the world from infinite slumber. And The title of your first chapbook, or your first chapbook, is called what? A Door. And the title of your second book is Mark the Place. Tell us about your you got books. It. Yeah, tell me, tell me about Mark the Place. That particular book. Mark the Place was, is basically the collection of everything I wrote over from around 2018 to into 2019. Um, I submitted the manuscript in December to Free West Publishing, um, and I'm so glad they took it uh, and published it. Uh, it's been a wonderful collaboration. Uh, we're almost nearly sold out in the second printing, so I'm pretty oh, proud wow. of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I'm pretty satisfied with the work we've done together. Um, it's only 30-something pages, and yet uh, it's probably one of the best things I've done. I'm really proud of it. Um, it's currently out now. Uh, it's 
basically just a collection of poems. I tried to go for cohesion, but I think it's just ultimately the best expression of what I've been doing for the past few years. Is it also available on Amazon? I think it should be. I'd have to double check. All right, all right. Now, if you had to convince a friend or colleague to read your book, what might you tell them? Ooh, that's a great question. What would I say? Um, if you want romantic poetry of certain caliber, definitely check, like, check out my book. I think that would be my recommendation. If you need a peering into my mind, too. If they need a peering into your mind. Yeah, closer to what I should say. All right, all right. Share another poem, please. All right, King. Uh, King I wrote for uh, the Elvis Presley and uh, wrote this for Neil's and Poetry Journal. Um, it's basically, I think this attempt to kind of extract who Elvis was on some level, even if that's almost impossible to say. Uh, this okay. Is King. Elvis, dreams of trains, dining black pots. Elvis, couples, tender, devoted, strange. Elvis speaks in serenity. Elvis dresses in bright pink pants, hot color jackets. Elvis is a man. Elvis is a witch. Elvis dies spent. Elvis becomes the hero. Elvis becomes the villain. Elvis becomes... Elvis lives in headlights. In movies, in Cadillacs, in open roads, Elvis rides in long, winding trains. Done. Wow. I like that. <laughs> I like all your words, <laughs> but that particular one stands Maybe. out to me because I'm an Elvis. I'm an Elvis fan. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I, I can see that. <laughs> and would you do me a favor and share it again? I love that. Please. Yeah, you want me to hear it again? Okay. Yes, yes, I would. Yeah. King. Elvis dreams of trains. Shining black cars. Elvis couples. Tender. Devoted. Strange. Elvis speaks in serenity. Elvis dresses in bright pink pants. Hot collar jackets. Elvis is a man. Elvis is a witch. Elvis dies spent. Elvis becomes the hero. Elvis becomes the villain. Elvis becomes too big. Elvis lives in headlights, in movies, in Cadillacs, in open roads. Elvis rides in long, winding trains. Wow. Perfect poem. Thank you. I really like that. You know, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think <laughs> emerges naturally from your work? What emerges naturally from you? I think a unique perspective on the world. Like I said, I think, though, also um, a sense of connecting things that otherwise I don't think, I don't know if, 
I think I, I would see the world in a certain way because my influences, my my past, my life, um, what I've worshipped as a person. And Elvis is an example of that where I wanted to make these connections or to, to get to the totemic root of him. Um, and I felt like I could do that maybe because of my influences, my interests. So for me, I guess, um, when you get to the root of my work, it's things you haven't seen before associated. When you get to the end of your work, there are things that you've not had an opportunity to associate. Am I correct? Yeah, connections. What I just said? Connections I think a lot of people would not make, especially if you're not autistic or not obsessed with certain things. Mm-hmm. Well, as you think about that, what is a measure of success as a poet? What's a measure of success? I think for me, I think um, knowing my work would endure would be enough for me, I think. Uh, even if I never, you know, see a lot of financial success from my poetry. A lot of people don't, and that's that's what, 97% of poets? Yeah, but um, I think ultimately what I what would make me happy is if my work was remembered and loved um, and connected with people. That would be what's meaningful to me there. Share another piece of your work. I enjoy listening to you read. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, this is uh, Beside You. I wrote this some time ago. Um, I think it's a little, it's a melancholy poem. Beside you. I'm weaved in, the stars are with the sky, as age in New England houses, until we sleep, separate sides of a king. We are entwined for so long, then we have to return to what we always are. And Wow. Share another. We're on a roll now. Right. Share another. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a this is a prose poem I wrote some time ago. It's written for a Wild Boy magazine, so it's available on there. If you want to take a look, a cliff. I dive off the rocks for the first time. The waters take me. I could never do this before. I'm Icarus welcoming his fall. I'm alive, new again. A man believing. The splash is a loud roar. Now I am drowned. Now I am the water. Now consumed and consuming until I rise again with the sun, singing harsh praise. I make my sound. And Has your idea of what poetry is and what it can do changed since you began writing poems? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Especially as I've read way more poetry in the past few years, I also... I think that has really expanded my idea of what it can be, you know, whether, whether it exists in a certain form. Yes, absolutely. All right, all right. Share another piece of your work. All right. This is uh, called Mark the Place, and this is the title poem for my book. Okay. Mark the Place. I'll take you in the sharp and hollowed wood moving that the world was stripped away, tearing into seeming teeth. A rabid dog meets another. Give me a drink of what's between, salting heavy tongue and such bloody fires. I'll take you to the bated breath where the riders meet, whispering to their horses against the red desert sky. Mark the place on scarlet brown skin. 
That's where my lips belong. And you know, it's funny when I write poems, and I don't write a lot—not as much as I used to. But I have mm. a habit of writing three at a time, or, or working on mm. three at a time, three different ones at a time. Yes. Do you have a uh. special ritual that you go through when you're preparing to write a poem? You have a ritual. I do actually. I tend to put in earplugs and try to be, live in the quiet a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. That's important to me in particular. Anything else? Yeah, I, I think that's important. Entering the unconscious a bit, uh, having legal pad out, having my desk semi organized. Semi organized is the key term here. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely those those are important as rituals to me. Well, what we're going to do now is something a little bit different than I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to perform a, a concert. Uh, <laughs> five to oh. seven of your works. So it's just a mini concert with you as the featured artist. So okay. this is your time to share whatever you like. All right. Um, you know, what? I'm going to read. This is funny. I'm going to read a thing called uh, Tony's theme. This is a okay. this is a piece this is a piece I wrote for uh, the Philadelphia Secret Admirer. I think it was published anonymously, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. This is, a, this is a, about a rhino. Tony's theme. See Tony the rhino. He lives at the Philadelphia Zoo. Tony's in his fifties. Confirmed bachelor, according to the guide watching with you. Look at the wooden fence posts that mark where Tony's neighbors, the zebra, live semi-separately. The patch of land is barren, and the grass is a blotchy, sad brown. Watch Tony rumble over behind the posts to visit the zebras in their area. He mostly gets along with them, except when they decide to ignore him. Notice Tony's eyes, docile and even-tempered, buried under large, sloping eyelids. The guide mentions the rhinos, contrary, contrary to the media's depictions, are gentle and good-natured. You feel sorry that these jet creatures are so misunderstood, that the horns and sighs are all that are seen by humans. Laugh like a kid at Tony letting out a massive stream of piss by the zebra's watering pool because you can't help it. See Tony spending time with the zebras, which he must do every day because he's used to it and because he's lonely. Perhaps the zebras, even if they cannot understand him and his patterns, his social cues, can't accept him. Know you've had the same isolation, the same hunger for company, be recognized and loved. Say goodbye to Tony, who treads back to his own space, where he'll be observed for the rest of his days, Eating, sleeping, and greeting old friends. And mm. all right. <laughs> with the stars, I play with the stars at night, and they shine and crack like shimmering hard candy. They're bright and cruel. They know their moods, but sometimes they just shake their heads, saying, "No, no, some other time, maybe." I can feel ter- terror on my chest some mornings. Feeling like Giles Corey pressed into rebellion. But it's all right. Comes and goes. I still get to play with the stars and feel their cool glow as the trees waver while the sky hovers over, aching to join us. And. All right. This is um, called No Poem for Daniel Jones. There's no poem to be written, no language that describes what's already taken place, and what is on its way. All right. 
This is uh, two haikus I wrote. Haiku number one. The tangle of her trees, the tangle of her red hair, rich in morning light. And haiku number two. Eliminate the unnecessary. Good for writing. Bad in life. End. Um, and then I think I have like one more poem. All right. Encompass. All right. This is uh, Encompass. Naked, shining, my body merges of dark. Skin disappearing into hunger. Thick shade embracing. Lost in the deep. Black mystery twinkling in sharp, delicate secrets. And... How busy are you in terms of social media? Are you actively involved with social media? On social I am, media? yeah. A little more than I should be. I'm disconnected from Facebook pretty much, though. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. which particular social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter. Twitter. What's your Twitter, and, uh, Twitter handle? Well. <laughs> my Twitter handle your is Twitter. Uh, C... <laughs> my Twitter... Yeah, my Twitter is uh, CM... <laughs> Is uh, CM underscore Crockford. All right. All right. And Instagram? Instagram, it should be um, about the same. Can't find my phone. But it should be the same thing, CM Crockford. CM Crockford. All right. All right. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Share some more of your work. I, I, I feel like I'm interrupting. I don't know. I just I just want to hear your voice. I think I don't know why tonight. I just feel like I just want to listen. I want to listen and um, indulge me. Sure. All right. All right. I have two more poems to read. I think. Um, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't want to run you out. Uh, no, only because I'm just I'm almost out of material. Um, this is uh. This is actually one that's not published, but but it's uh, I wrote it for um, my cousin's dog, Cody. He takes up the bed, dog's body sprawled out. No matter. I do not mind if I can feel his love, his eyes touched by something outside the human, purged of the little weaknesses and bound by grace. Um... And this is this is called uh this is called Dad. This is a rather personal one, but it's, it's something. Dad. Dad's sick. He's a few years left, they find no cure. I think of milk cartons when he tells me this. I think of bomb timers to be diffused forever in the cartoons, the Bond movies. He was always there to stop it. His hands have pain inside them. He lies down after running errands, like Superman needing rest, like Batman slumped over on the bed. When does the timer go off? When do we lose him? Lose, like he's a child in a supermarket. He's being taken. How do sons live about their fathers? I dreamt I was in the back seat, my father driving in the deep of the night. I could see him there, eyes on the road, glasses shining in the headlights, a glint of gold. I knew then that I was all right. I turned. When I looked up, he was gone. And 
Um, you know what? I can give you one more poem here. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is called uh, Swastika, November 8th. I wrote this right after the Trump election in 2016. Rust, raw, bloody on the wall, dripping from its pores like sticking wounds. It happens again, 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 again. A scream reaching out for stranglehood. A symbol of continuity. And Do you have a writing group or community of writers that you share your work with? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I do. I've been doing poetry readings up until the pandemic, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy about yeah. poetry readings? What do you enjoy about being live like that? I think I love reading in front of people. Uh, I love getting that kind of feedback to my work, but also the community. Um, I really love mm-hmm. seeing certain faces, you know, every time I can go there, um, there's a sense of community that I think mm-hmm. is something you need as an artist sometimes. Oh, I agree with that 100% that yeah. it's just a, it's just a different feeling when you're, when you're involved in that way. When you put mm-hmm. your stuff out there and people can hear it just in real time, it, it, it's, it's different. I like it as well. I like it as well. As you think about being, you are an accomplished artist now. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm okay. I get by. <laughs> what advice would you give an aspiring poet about publishing, about anything? What advice would you give them? Right now? I would say keep writing. Yes. Um, I would definitely say that. Keep writing. Keep going. Try different ideas, different forms. Uh, read as much as you can. Read everything. Read as differently as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And see if that comes out in your work. That would be my advice. And uh, don't give up on something if you think there's there's a quality to it. Don't give up on it. Not yet. Because it's really easy to give up, CM. It really, really yeah, is. Yeah, Being a is. person who gives up quite often, it's it's really. <laughs> you start thinking, well, I can't do this. This is not sounding like I'd like it to sound. Uh, it's not reading like I'd like it to read. Um, and sometimes you feel as if, and I'm speaking personally here, that you feel as if you pay a cost when you keep yeah. writing and writing and working on something and then it doesn't doesn't pan out. So mm-hmm. I don't hard. know what to do with that. Any 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 ideas? I think sometimes you have to accept your losses, but I think it's also okay to take your wins too or or to not to see something through. I think both things are important. Knowing when something's over and knowing something's not. What did right. Yogi Berra say? Right. It ain't over till it's over. That was his line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the Yogi Bird's fun. Well, let me ask you one last question. I'm going to let you go here because I know it's a long sure. evening. Um, when people hear you work, I'm sure they want more. I know I want more. I, I, I can listen all evening, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. What's next for you as a poet? You know, right now I'm really working on uh, self care, first things first, in terms of uh, my writing. Um, but. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm really trying to do is, I think, find a new approach to this. Um, I mean, I love what I've written so far, but I think my next work, I'd want to do something very different. I'm just trying to figure out what that something is yet. 
Okay. Maybe a new approach to form. Um, the last poem in my book, Summer Rising, is really where I'd like to go more as a writer. Um, but mm-hmm. getting there is the, the difficult part. Writing will be easier. <laughs> so it's a journey. It really is a journey. It is. It is. It is. Well, what I'd like to say to you is thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so it's much, been an Michael. incredible Thanks hour. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I've run out of questions. <laughs> you answered everything in a in a, in a wonderful fashion, and uh, I wish you nothing, nothing but the best. You too. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks for having me. All right. Goodbye. See you. Take, right. care. Take care. And to our listening audience, good night. Good night. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.